Art of Visuals community and welcome to the Art of Visuals podcast, a content series to inspire the creators, the mavericks, the hustlers, and the visionaries who believe that art and creativity have the power to impact and change culture. This series was created for you, the explorers of the world. We're here because you're not alone on this journey to becoming your best self. This series shares real authentic stories direct from the world's most talented creative community. These stories are meant to inspire, motivate, and educate you and the rest of the AOV family. With over a decade of experience in entrepreneurship, content creation, and self-development, the AOV team is here to create a new kind of culture within our community, one that inspires action, love, growth, and fulfillment. You are now tuning in to the AOV Podcast. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the AOV Podcast. My name is Prince McClinton, and I am your host, and today is actually a very special day. Is my 30th birthday, and uh, I have the honor of sitting here with Jared Lamont and getting to catch up with his adventures. He's now been on the road for, what, six months now? Six, seven months? Yeah, man, almost, almost, yeah, coming up on uh, eight months, yeah, going into the eighth month. Eight months. One-way ticket, following him on the one-way ticket. He's on a serious journey working on what was a short documentary film and and now is transforming into what? The story is still being written, brother. (laughs) The story is still being written. And um, I could have never imagined what it's become, but I've allowed myself to be a passenger really more than anything and just sort of listen to my instincts and my heart and sort of the situations that I'm in and the resources I have and trying to produce the best and, and, and most like authentic version of what I'm experiencing. And again, it, the, it's about choosing experiences over money and sort of that's why I'm volunteering. That's why I'm spending time with people I've never met and places I've never been to sort of figure out, not to figure out actually, but to show how we're all the same and and also explore a lot of things like when is enough enough? Like what do you really need to be happy? And I've come into a place, for example, right now I'm in Nepal where there is no running water inside and the power cuts out sometimes. Everything is slower. Half the people have jobs because there's little to no economy here. And they don't even have a like waste management system. So there's trash everywhere. And like those are real effects of climate change. And sort of someone could say, oh, well, why why don't they do something about that? It's like they don't even have the opportunity to pay taxes for something like that. Like how how would we organize in the US as people if the government didn't take care of all of that. Right. So, so getting this kind of perspective, I mean, the toilet doesn't flush here. I don't, I, I, I honestly, I'll be honest with you. I've showered once in the last 10 days because it's showering outside and I'll, I'll just like kind of whatever rinse myself, but it's not like a straight shower or nothing like that. And it's just, um, it's, it's much more raw. (laughs) And, uh, again, like that's, while I'm doing this, I'm putting myself in these kinds of situations to to see how other people are living, really. 
And um, it's all about perspective, man. It's all about perspective. Everybody's got exactly what they, everything they need. They just gotta, just gotta open their eyes. So, share with me before, before <laughs> I, before. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 no, you don't ever need to apologize to me. Happy birthday, bro! Um, dude, I'm just excited to hop into <laughs> this. Before I before I hop in to the voice messages and, and where we left off, I'm curious. I mean, you've been on the road for eight months now. Like, what have you what have you learned since I last talked with you? What's changed? Mm. Mm. Again, sort of where that. When is enough enough? Like coming to a place like Nepal has made me realize that like even with this movie, like I've had very big like ambitions for it and sort of pushing it and where else can I go and how can I make that happen? And in the reality of the situation, man, like I've already gone way past my expectations from the day I left San Francisco and I should be like, this is like such a blessing that this even was able to happen for me and people believed in me and wanted to support this, this project and dream of mine to make a movie. And like, no matter how this thing ends and, you know, wherever it ends, it's gone so above and beyond that I am appreciating that. And I wasn't thinking that two months ago to me for some reason two months ago it was just like more and more and more like i need to keep pushing this like this and now it's like wait a second does that even matter well, like this you, is already like do you mind going back real quick you said you you kept pushing and then you cut out oh i kept pushing and wanting to create the biggest story i can i could think of and put together but I've already gone like way past that and I've, I need to appreciate that. And that was something I was kind of missing to be honest. Like I was so caught up in this project and I think I've learned a lot, like from this whole experience by realizing like I need to, and I've always been someone who's trying to appreciate what I have, but it's like, this is, this was like a very personal thing that I took on and so it was like I got a little bit blinded by the light and I think this story is really about that man it's it's about believing in yourself and 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 also like I said I've come to, to this journey and I'm realizing okay like look how far I've come like sure I could keep going I could keep doing this for years maybe and and what's the like, like at some point it has to end. There has, at some point there has to be a moment where I realize I've got enough. I've done enough. Like I can't, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause this, this can be very destructive, I think. And also I, like a way. Do I, you mind being more specific by this can, what do you mean? This can be destructive. What is this? This kind of thinking like that you always like, need more the want the the need yeah. for yeah. materialism and 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 it's kind of like you said something that yeah. resonated with me earlier when you got on you said that you've been you know you've been 
more or less what I took away from what you said was that you've been out on the road collecting a portfolio of experiences versus stocks where everyone's so worried about these stocks and these this yeah. portfolio of things and possessions that they own. You're more or less saying there's a point where, you know, I have enough and I want to just go experience the world and, and people. And you also said something about what was it? Did you say like living beyond, not beyond? Um, you said something to me that more or less resonated. And what I took away from it was that, you know, maybe what you're experiencing on your journey is the fact that you're loving yourself more. And therefore, by loving yourself, you're able to open your heart to the world, which allows you to, to view the world in a completely new way and, and take in information in a completely new way. Oh, absolutely, man. You know, there's, there's sort of no lines anymore. And I've been very comfortable in vulnerable situations because I've been motivated by this. And it's taken me, it's, it's introduced people into my life that I never thought would have been there and sort of shown me like love in a way that I've never really experienced or friendship or, you know, kind of brotherhood and really just kind of human spirit type stuff. Especially my friend that I met in Vietnam, who's a local up there who just, we sort of became brothers. Like it was pretty crazy within a month. And then that was sort of he had really opened up to me and sort of I did with him. And, you know, it was just um, so I, I, something I hadn't experienced. And that was why when he asked me to come back and help him or he asked me, you know, like he was working, he was volunteering the place I was volunteering at this tea house in Vietnam. And he was there because he wanted to learn English and be around English speakers. And he wasn't getting paid any money. And, he got to a point where he needed to make money. Like his mom needed money, his, his family, he needed to support his family. And so he had to leave this, this volunteer place. And it was around the same time I was leaving to go back to Malaysia. And I was a little bit unsure if I should go back. And like, I was like, I need to keep moving forward. Like, part of me really wanted to stay and I had become so close with him and, and the Vietnamese like culture. Um, but I was concerned that I was like, am I going backwards? Like, but then again, I was like, here's somebody who needs help. He's asked me to help him to continue teaching him English and to live with him. He's going to, I'm not going to have to pay for any food or a place to sleep. And I basically worked at his homestay with him and his sister and their family. And that was something that I was so fortunate to be able to do. And I didn't know it going into it. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't grow up having family dinners. So in Vietnam, people what? eat together. <laughs> before we, before you jump into to that, why, Explain to me, at your household, were your parents just working all the time, too busy? Yeah, so I didn't, like, 
after 10, my parents divorced, so I didn't really, my dad wasn't really around after that. And then um, my mom was just, you know, she woke up before the sun came up, was gone. She came back, it was dark. So she was too tired to cook, too tired to do anything like that. So, um, you know, me and my sister just kind of did our own things. And then she went off to college. So then I was kind of just lone wolf in it. And, uh, yeah, now I'm a, I'm a wolf out here, <laughs> out here in the fall. So, but in Vietnam, I really did find this like sense of family that I had in, like, I have family in, in California and I love them, but like this kind of close knit, strong, we eat every meal together type thing. Um, I hadn't experienced that. So when that was going down in Vietnam, like, and I was this Westerner sitting at the table with seven, eight Vietnamese, all having conversation in Vietnamese. And just even being there, like we were talking about solitude a bit, like you have to sort of kill your ego and like understand that when you're sitting there and you can't communicate with anybody in your language and it's, it's easy to start sort of feel uncomfortable. And I'm at a point now where it's like, like that is something that doesn't bother me because I feel like it's sort of about how you're perceiving yourself and like, they're all probably not talking about you, you know, like, don't think you're, <laughs> you're the topic of conversation 24 seven, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, so it's just interesting being in situations like that. And again, that's why I encourage anyone to do this kind of thing where you're living amongst people who maybe you can't communicate with. And I ended up getting really close with the women who cooked and cleaned there. And, um, one of her, one of their names was like, she became like my Vietnamese mother, basically. Her name was Ko Big. And she wanted to learn English. She was so motivated. She was 55 years old. She couldn't speak anything. And so I just started like, I learned the Vietnamese numbers so then I could start teaching her numbers. And then, you know, I would sort of, every time she'd turn the corner, I'd say like, um, home nay. Which just means like today or tomorrow. And those were like the t first two words I taught her. And she literally just sent me a Facebook message, um, a voice message saying like, yesterday, today, you know, like it just like, we're still talking and it's, it's just like kind of amazing. And she, she doesn't speak English really. And she, she, she sent some stuff like she misses me and then, I told her I miss her too. And she took me into her home, man. Like she sleeps. She was sleeping on this thin mat, like upstairs, working there full time, like for three weeks. And then she'd go home for one day to see her family. And I, I convinced the woman who owns the homestay to let Co Big go home. And me and Co Big, Co Big was on the back of the motorbike and I was riding and we rode like 30K to her little house with her husband. And she took me to see her mom who lived like in this beautiful like rice field in this tiny village. And we walked up to her house and it's this little tiny woman hunched over because she's, she's, lit she's literally standing up to my hips because she's carried tea 
on her back her whole life. So she's one of these women who is like completely hunched over back and, you know, her teeth were like red and, but her eyes, dude, she had the same eyes as Co Big and, uh, she was very kind and, and it was just like in Vietnam families, like a very important thing, like even like amongst like the Vietnamese is like a family. And I think it's because of so much oppression and so much war there that they all treat each other like brothers and sisters. And I have never seen that sort of like closeness with like people in the U S for example, um, like just like strangers, mm-hmm. um, that like sort of treat each other like brothers and sisters. And like, we're kind of all in this together. And Why do you think that, that was that just is? sort of the, I think it's capitalism. <laughs> I think it's like a, a high degree of individualism that is really pushed on the U.S. Um, as like a form of independence, as like something that is expected of you. Where, like in Vietnam, man, like these these people are like their families are living together. They're like grown adults, and their grandkids are living with their grandparents. And it's like a really nice thing. I think, um, I think so too. Like I don't, yeah. I always growing up, I had some friends that were from, you know, Mexican descent and their families were always so close. And I remember as a kid just being like super jealous. Cause like, you know, my family's awesome and we're close. Don't get me wrong, but like different, like, like they were close as in like family was first and that and they met like family really was first above money above anything else it was about family and you know the mother the parents lived there the grandparents lived there the kids lived there the kids wives the kids kids like you know they just buy these big homes and they all live in there together or, you know or small homes whatever they may be you know yeah and <laughs> and but there's a I don't know, and I and I I think I can relate to your certain like this yearning for real human connection, and I feel like as I'm as I'm becoming a more conscious being, I'm 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 having these these deeper connections with select people that are on the same like wavelength as I am. You know, first and foremost, my my girlfriend Tia, like you know, we're 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 completely moving into sync, and it's like the most beautiful thing I've ever ever witnessed and i'm you know i'm seeing that with my friends uh as well uh there's a certain deeper level of friendship and connectivity and not this weird aura of trying to be too cool or trying to be this or trying to be that or not trying to look a certain way or don't want to be you know quote unquote gay because I'm hugging a guy for longer than four seconds, five seconds or whatever it may be and all these different things. And life is just so beautiful. And and, and when you start opening your heart to people, um, I swear the entire universe just opens up to you in like the best way possible. Dude, that's, that's amazing, man. Like I just love hearing that because it makes me believe that this this isn't something foreign, you know? Like, this is something that everyone 
everybody like we're we're just a big family man like that's that's what i think and i think when i hear you talking about that like that's what it sounds like to me like whether it's with your friends or your girlfriend or your family like that sense of just we're in this together it's like i don't i don't even see that i can feel the yeah, same that's thing what i'm strangers saying now i can look a stranger in the eye and i can tell when they look back at me now it's like like are you here are you with me like do you yeah. do you really see like there's like this certain level of connection and and most of the time you know it's there's no connection and it's I can tell they're in yeah. a different they're living in a different reality but yeah. then you meet these 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 rare souls that you come into you know here in the states at least um, you know I think it's more <laughs> rare you know what I mean I think it's something we have to search for right to where in other countries, yeah. especially in the Eastern world, like it's, it, this is, it's normal. And so for us with having grown up with all this cla- with all this smoke and mirrors and believing yeah. in that, you know, it takes us as humans becoming extreme explorers to go out into the unknown and explore like this, the other side yeah. of life, like the real part of, of life. And there's nothing better, man, than, than, than just a genuine connection or sitting with a new friend in a hammock and looking at them and just feeling like a deeper, a deeper connection. Like there's no feeling of this is a stranger sitting next to me. Like it's like, this is my brother or my sister. Like this is just yeah. another loved, like just another being a part of me, you know, just sitting next to me communicating. And it's, it's beautiful. And just so you guys know, just a quick backstory. So Jared sent me a few voice messages uh, a few weeks ago explaining to me that he had a, a really insane last four to six weeks that he has, you know, he went back to Vietnam because he felt drawn to helping one person, which is the story that you just heard and his experience with family and that type of, of deeper connection and so I just wanted to, 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 to put that out there. So there's a little bit of background information, um, on where you just kind of took us with everything. And I could sit here and chat with you about this forever. And I think a lot of people listening to this, yeah. if they're being honest with themselves, I think they'll be able to relate and, and they'll know that feeling. Um, and they probably, a lot of the people listening probably do feel somewhat empty inside and, are yearning for something more. Um, and it's out there for, and, and everyone can find that something more. Uh, but I think it's, it really starts with, with loving yourself and, and opening your heart. Um, you know, and it'll find you. Dude. Yeah. That's like, that's the compass. That's the only compass we need, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you had also shared with me that, um, you know, you've you've kind of become desensitized to a lot of the craziness and realities. And so now after hearing this story that you just told me, I'm curious when you say the desensitize and to a lot of the craziness and realities, is it is it kind of more desensitized to the craziness and the realities of just like back home? Like just how like that way of life? It's yeah, man, like in a way, like it's 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 in it's it's in the sense that like seeing so many different slices of reality and i've only seen so few really but um 
the more I, it's like the further I go, the realize, you know, I was starting to realize like, I, I really understand nothing. Like I, the further I kept going and keep kept pushing and like the, the craziness and the situations I found myself in and then moving past them to find another one. It was like, whoa, like, where does this, is, is, like, where does this end? Like, mm-hmm. and there's no end. And, um, there was one experience where this was the, the first month I was in Vietnam where I kept seeing these huge pigs, um, alive in cages on the backs of motorbikes being driven around the street, like getting ready to get slaughtered. And I was shocked. I had never seen something like that in my life, especially in the U S where you walk into a Safeway or wherever and you just see a cold piece of meat in plastic. And I was eating a lot of pork in Vietnam and I found out the Vietnamese like eating pork. So as a volunteer, I ended up eating a lot of pork. And um, it was very excessive. And, and I started thinking like, Jesus Christ, this is a lot of fucking pig. And I had a friend there who felt the same kind of way. And we kind of were like, started having this loose joke about like, oh, like, I think we need to get a pig. And it really wasn't a joke, but we were very concerned that we'd been eating meat and we'd never really killed an animal and ate it. And we ended up on this like mini road trip up in the mountains and we sort of decided on the second night that we were going to go to this market in this ethnic village near the border of China and Vietnam where they had a really large market uh, for live animals and we were going to buy a pig and, and uh, kill it and eat it. And um, so we're in this market and it's like a zoo, man. There's, dogs in cages, there's cattle, there's horse, there's birds of every kind. Um, there's huge pigs, there's little pigs. And when, when I saw the big pigs getting slammed to the ground, screaming, um, you know, getting tied up in, with rubber bands, I thought I wasn't going to be able to do it. I was like, wait a second. Like, this is, this is really harsh. This is really intense. And I felt this like cowardly feeling for a split second because the night before me and my friend, we were eating so much pork fat and we were enjoying it. And I thought I can't continue like this. And I had actually been vegan for a year, a couple years ago, but I'm going to just throw that in there for a split second. So we, <laughs> nobody wanted to sell to us initially because we were the only white guys there with, um, we had our local friend, but he was having a hard time like communicating with them that we wanted to buy a pig or whatever. And then we couldn't buy a huge pig cause we didn't have the money for that. And we were in these mountains with this, these little motorbikes. So we bought actually a small, like 12, 13 pound pig eventually. And th- this guy, I handed him the money. He didn't even shake my hand. We get a pink trash can and a big plastic bag, and that's where the pig went. And we carried her out of the market. 
we tied her up to the motorbike, my motorbike. And this was like something that was really important for me. It was like, I want to do everything in this process to understand it. And so we leave and we're driving through the mountains and it's cold, it's winter. And it's very like bumpy dirt roads at times. So the pig's squealing and like, I'm trying to pat it on the back as I'm driving the motorbike and, you know, we, this girl bought a puppy from the same place and it was sick. And the next morning we woke up and the puppy died. And so then all of a sudden everybody was like, oh my God, where's Angela? Where's Angela? Cause we named the pig Angela. Mm-hmm. Everybody thought Angela was dead and she wasn't, but we ended up back at this volunteer place where the guy was a Buddhist and he did not want us killing the pig there, but he ate pork nearly every night. And, um, he said we could keep it there for the night and we woke up the next morning and we went to my friend's town where he thought we could find somebody. So we were eating breakfast and we were eating a pork dish called buncha. And, uh, the woman who owns the restaurant saw the pig tied up outside and was like, said something to my friend in Vietnamese and was like, my friend was like, Hey, like she says, we can, we can do it here. She's butchered pigs before she has all the tools. And so the next thing I know, the husband is like sharpening this butcher's knife on the ground, like, you know, just like going for it. Mm-hmm. And my friend, my friend grabs the pig off the back of the bike. And the next thing I know, my friend who just got out of the military from Switzerland, I, we kind of thought he was going to be the one to do it. And then the woman tries to hand him the knife and he's not into it. And he's like, no, 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 I'm not doing it. So who's left to do it? It's me. So he, this woman hands me the knife and the pig gets slammed down to this table in the back of this restaurant and there's no one there. And the Vietnamese woman and my Vietnamese friend are holding the pig down and I have this huge blade in my hand and it honestly feels quite like dangerous just because it was a like very frantic situation. And like, it was just a big knife and I go to cut the pig's throat and the woman's like, no, 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 no. And grabs my hand and points it at the chest. And I'm like, okay, like I have no idea what I'm doing, right? Like I've never killed an animal. I never thought I would kill an animal, but here I am holding this giant blade right in front of a pig. And the next thing I know, I go in, stick the blade in, and uh, I start to push too deep and the woman pulls back on my hand and all this blood starts coming out, right? Mm-hmm. She, gra- she grabs the knife and sticks it in again and all this blood comes f- flying out of the pig and she grabs a plate and starts catching the blood. And uh, I put my hands on the pig and in my head for some reason, as it's wheezing and screaming and bleeding out, I, I say like, I'm sorry. 
I don't know why I did that, but I, I just said this in my head. And the pig is bleeding out, and this went on for about two minutes. And uh, seeing the animal go limp from just being alive a few minutes earlier, it's it's something that really, like, you connect that this thing existed and before it's skinned and the woman sort of took over after we skinned it by pouring the hot water and seeing how that, that went down. But she, she removed the organs and the insides, the internals, and we ate everything, man. We ate everything. And that's something in Vietnam, like, you know, a Westerner, it was very common to go in there and see these people like very close to killing the animal, like right on the street, or you'll see a cow's head on the street or something, or people just plucking chickens right out there. And something you don't see in the U.S. It happens behind closed doors, but it's happening on a fucking massive scale and a really scary, like, industrial scale where we're totally removed from that. And that's why, for me, doing all this was so foreign. But in Vietnam, it's like another Wednesday. So that was like okay, what's ordinary to me, what's ordinary to them, right? Because we go and put this pig over a fire, roast it, and there were some other volunteers who the night before when they saw the live pig, they were like, oh, my God, you're going to kill this pig? And I kid you not, bro, at the kitchen table, this one girl, like, grabs three pieces of the pork and says nothing, thinks nothing, and is enjoying her meal. And that's kind of why I was so intrigued by all of this. And, um, you know, for me, I, I, so what, I have to experience. Yeah. What did you take away from Sorry. that experience? You think? Yeah, man. So like to understand one has to become like, it's very easy to judge on the outside that somebody may say that's the wrong thing to do. Um, that's the right thing to do. But when you do it and you feel it and like, especially an experience where with killing and eating this animal, like we did everything from the market to the motorbike and the mountains, feeding it, taking care of it for a few days. And then like a part of us, right. Not being like, damn, like she's a sweet animal, but like here we are eating pig on a regular basis. Like, like where, where is this line? Like where, where is our, where where are we being con like where's the contradiction you know um so i remember telling some friends back home and they were just shocked and i never again thought i would kill an animal but you know there i am eating animal right like i think it's i think it's important to recognize like the experience of the animal and to understand if you want to be a part of that process or not um what was surprising, though, was that some people, I didn't know, but some people thought, oh, like, are you, so did you stop eating meat? Like, are you done eating meat? And I was like, no. Um, like, in fact, the opposite, like, I will never waste any meat that is on the table. Like, even if I'm full, like, I've, I've been in situations where people are, like, going to toss meat out, and I just, now I eat it because it just seems so wasteful to kill an animal and not use it for food if that's that was its purpose right especially i mean if they're if, if they've been sacrificed 
uh, you know, as I like to look at it, then it's extremely disrespectful, in my opinion, to not to just, you know, not yeah. val- not value. It's like a devaluation of its life to not eat the entire thing, you know. Oh, totally, man. And like that night, we ate like everything, you know, every organ the brain, the eye, man, like there was no limits because there was like a very personal connection, the whole experience. So it was like, I didn't even want to, I wouldn't even waste a single thing from the pig because it it, it was like very real for me seeing, seeing its experience of being eaten by a human, you know, that's what it was. Uh, So it's like, I don't know. I just think coming from Western culture, you know, we're so removed from it again that it, it, it was a strange thing for me to to do, at least I thought in the beginning. But I think that shows how we are a product of our environments, right? And how our perspective can change when we see a different way or see a different reality or a different thing that in a certain place is normal and very ordinary. Um, and yeah, it was like, that's, that's kind of just a part of the evolution of this journey, you know? And, uh, I think that happens when people get out of their comfort zone in general, whether they're traveling or not, or, you know, whatever it is. Um, it was just, a again, I'm, I'm somebody who really needs to experience to understand. And, and that was my way. Dude, what a, what a just an insane experience. It's it, you're yeah. you're just. I mean, dude, you're just experiencing a lot firsthand, in a small amount of time. That's pretty much the polar opposite of everything that you've ever known, and that's just got to be in itself just one hell of an experience, man. What's what's next for you? How long? I mean. The film, do you have any idea of, of when you might want to put the film out, when you might want to come home, where are you going to head next? Like, what's what's the, you know, I'm, not, I'm sure you're not overthinking the future by any means, but what's, what's on the horizon? Tibet. Why Tibet? I don't know, man. It's, I mean, we'll see. We'll see, we'll see. I, I really as you said, like I'm kind of day to day and we'll see actually, because I don't know, like I've, I've had a, you know, right now I've only been to four countries and I've found that going deeper has been like more meaningful, the sort of like relationships that I've been able to be involved with and have the, you know, it's, it's just like, I had the original goal of hitting 10 countries and to me, that's just like sort of a bullshit number. It's kind of like, it's kind of like why, why, you know? Um, Well, it sounded like maybe the journey started off as like the film started off as being more of a travel film and I'm going to go to all these countries and do this. And then now that you're there, it's more or less like, holy shit, like this isn't about traveling. Like, this is about people. This is about experiences. This is about real. And to have those moments and those experiences, you know, takes, 
time. You don't get to have experiences like that blasting from city to city to city to city. Yeah. And so I could totally understand how that's changed. Yeah. Like that's, that's kind of where I'm at because the other thing is like this project was, I miscalculated the funds necessary to do something like this. It's my first, first go at something like this. So I, I wasn't really surprised. Um, like there's just things you can't, I couldn't have anticipated missed flights for whatever reason, um, you know, canceled flights like that ended up costing me like 1200 bucks from canceled, canceled flights. And I didn't have insurance on the flights. And then it was like, okay, I'm, I was trying to save like 50 bucks on insurance and like in the end, right. That just cost me so much money. Um, so it's like, it's actually been really interesting to try and make a film like this where you have a very small budget and it sort of forces creativity in a way you wouldn't expect. And like, I can see how the film has taken a very different direction um, than what it did because I was limited in a way. And so I had to sort of create like my own genre and the way I've even just been interfacing with the camera is like very, I never would have imagined doing it the way I've been doing it. So it's definitely going to be a very different flavor the way it's presented and sort of a like, you're going to see elements of me making this movie, but it's in such a subtle way. Like you'll see, I don't want to reveal too much, but <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's going to be highly experimental in the way, like you're not going to understand maybe like when am I filming and when am I not filming? Right. Um, <laughs> which sounds a little strange, but it's so the film. So everything's just more or less. Everything is is taking a life of its own. You know, it's this vision to create something that has is completely morphing into a whole new thing. That it sounds like you're gonna be. You're gonna feel way more proud about, and it's probably gonna hit home a, a, on a lot deeper note for for most people than whatever else, you know, whatever it was you had planned in the first place. Oh, totally, dude. Like, this thing is, is from my heart, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Like, I, I just want to keep it honest, and I want to keep it fresh. And I think, I think I was struggling a little bit with when I, when I noticed the direction was going a very different way, and I talked to... Um, a couple of my friends were helping me produce the film back home and they were like, Hey man, like, you know, we just wanted to see what you would come up with and mm -hmm. like tr trust the story, you know, don't, don't force it. And I, I realized like staying married to this idea that it had to be what the Kickstarter outline really was, was sort of, creating a lot of conflict for me because I felt like, well, Hey, here are these people who have sponsored me. They've put money into this project. And like, does that mean I have to do exactly what the Kickstarter project said I was going to do? Or is like, is it more about me just delivering like the best, most sort of like moving message I can. And like, where is that line? And right. for me, it was that. And like, you know, I, I, I realized I didn't even, I, I asked a few friends and stuff, but I didn't actually ask, um, 
the backers, like I sent them out, a, a, I sent them an update just explaining the situation a bit and like how things had sort of taken a life of its own. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going down, you know, guns blazing, um, no surrender black flags, because I believe that, uh, the way I've been shooting and the things I've been doing and just the way it's all played out is like, that's what, I want to communicate, you know, so I think excited. it's, <laughs> I dude, I, I mean, yeah. it's, it's art man. and this is, this is a much realer creation than you had envisioned. And I don't think anyone's going to be upset with that. Um, they didn't buy a product from you. You didn't, you didn't sell them headphones and yeah. then all of a sudden you decided to deliver cupcakes <laughs> because your vision changed. <laughs> <laughs> You know what yeah, I mean? Cupcakes sound good. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's great, dude. But, oh, shit. Dude. Well, man, it was a real pleasure catching up with you. And I look forward to, to catching up with you again. Um, before we get off, is there anything you want to leave uh, leave the people with? You should tell your backers to come listen to these too. I mean, dude, I, I, I know, dude, I, um, I've, I've been trying to communicate like what's going on. Actually, I haven't done a good job of that. And it's because like, it comes back to this whole solitude thing, man. Like in this sort of free thinking, if I'm not distracted, like I am allowing my mind to sort of wander and, and sort of explore new ideas and see what I can come up with instead of looking at what other people are doing online or wherever and just sort of being present to wherever I am and or with the people I'm with and and that being my inspiration to sort of come up with it, whatever it is I'm trying to come up with. Um, and yeah, that's that's what I would leave folks with is get offline get off the fucking internet i love it bro jared lamont ladies and gentlemen part two part three <laughs> coming soon we'll have to we'll have to catch up with you next time man to sounds like you'll be in what budapest no dude i i, I don't know man i can't tell you right now I, I, he's in the yeah. vault for now that's all he knows the, Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the AOV podcast. Our goal here at Art of Visuals is to keep everything free and to keep creating great tools and resources for you guys to utilize to, to achieve all your guys' dreams in the photography, filmmaking, and content creation world, even entrepreneurship. With that said, we've picked up Adorama as a sponsor to help us cover some of our costs, and we're grateful for them. All we ask of you guys is if you're going to purchase gear, we'd really love it if you guys would head over to Adorama.com and make your purchase there instead of elsewhere. And just know that when you guys do that, you guys will also somewhat be supporting Art of Visuals and allowing us to continue to create great content for you guys uh, like our podcasts, our free app, and a lot of the other great things we do. Also, if you listen to the podcast, all of the AOV presets are now free. So check out our website shop.artivisuals.com go get some free presets the artist presets are still for sale if you want to support the artist and you should support the artist 
Uh, just know that that money goes to them, and we're also going to be reworking that commission structure here in the next month. So we're really stoked about that. But go get some free presets. And if you guys want to buy gear, please support us, help us out. Go to Adorama.com. Peace.